Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word, the Bible, you teach us about yourself. You teach us all that we need to know to live as your people. We pray that you help us as we read this part of your word today. Help us to understand what it says and help us to see how we can be growing as followers of Jesus because of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember the, uh, the first time I went to do walk-up evangelism, I was terrified. Uh, I'd been working through the Two Ways to Live booklet and Bible study. My minister at the time, Andrew Richardson, was going through it with me. Uh, I'd only memorised the first half of the presentation. Two Ways to Live is a six-part presentation with pictures that you draw along the way. Uh, I'd only memorised the first half, so I was pretty nervous. wasn't sure how I'd go. Uh, but we'd set a date, we were ready to go out there, and so out we went. Uh, we went to the City Botanic Gardens next to QUT, uh, Gardens Point campus. Lots of unsuspecting uni students to approach as they lay on the grass in the warm summer sunshine. Uh, a religious fanatic with a tract in a six-picture display is just what they're waiting for. Uh, anyway, as I say, I was terrified. Uh, thankfully, Andrew was very experienced at walk-up evangelism, and he made it look pretty easy which it is, actually. (laughs) We'd go up to someone, introduce ourselves, and ask if they wanted to talk about Jesus. Simple. Uh, Did I mention it was a lovely sunny day? Uh, We got a lot of knockbacks. Uh, But finally, someone said, yes, this this guy, he was a little bit dubious, but Andrew, he he told him, look, look, this this friend of mine, he needs the practice, and we'd really appreciate it if if you'd listen to the demo, give him a go, you know, it won't take long. So very kindly and patiently, this young man sat and listened to the gospel outline, watched as I I drew the pictures. Uh, I got through the whole thing, even though I'd only memorised the first half, and I got to the two ways at the end. You can either reject God and run life your own way, or you can submit to Jesus as your king and trust him to save you. Uh, The guy answered the question at the end, which of these two ways represents the way you want to live? He was happy just as he was, thanks very much. No conversion that day. Uh, But a good practice for me, and I think I quadrupled in confidence immediately. Uh, I'd shared the gospel with a complete stranger and survived. I could have made myself a T-shirt to commemorate the event. Uh, Two Ways to Live as a gospel outline has been around for quite a while now. Uh, And it says it straight. It's a good, simple, clear presentation of the gospel. Uh, In the end, there really are just two ways to live, uh, our way or God's way, rejecting the king of God's kingdom or submitting to Jesus as king. We can run life our own way or we can listen to Jesus' words and obey him. And that's where Jesus lands at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We can choose to live one way or the other. We can live for ourselves or we can obey Jesus as our king. And if we're disciples of Jesus... We will listen to his words and put them into practice. And the way that we choose in the end, uh, that will determine our final destination. Uh, Now, as I went out to share the gospel that day, I, I can't say I was surprised that the guy we spoke to didn't submit to Jesus. I was sad, but not surprised. He really was just doing me a favor after all. He wasn't interested from the start. You could tell. And it seemed like he'd heard it before and already rejected it. And Jesus actually says, well, that will be the case for most people. 
Look at verses 13 and 14 with me. Matthew 7, read verse 13 and 14 again. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Two ways to live, walking towards God or walking away from him. Uh, The relativism of our culture will say that there are many ways to God. There are potentially as many ways to God as there are people in the world. Whatever path you think will get you to God, just walk it sincerely and you'll be all right. But that's not what Jesus says. Uh, Our Western culture has come to that conclusion uh, uh, the last couple of centuries for a variety of reasons. But we've got it wrong, uh, and we do well to listen to Jesus rather than to our culture on this. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. As humans, we like the easy road to things, don't we? Uh, it's normal to pick what seems to be the easiest or quickest way. When, when we used to live down in Wallenbar in the Northern Rivers, uh, we'd drive to Brisbane and back fairly often. And we don't always take the Pacific Highway. Uh, Multiple lanes, high speed limit, the most direct route. Uh, There are other ways to get from Wallenbar to Brisbane, of course. And we could take all sorts of detours along the way if we wanted to. My auntie told me once about a nice way to go up through Kyogle, uh, through the hills, across the border, through Bow Desert and Logan and and on to Brisbane that way. Uh, There are some lovely sights to see on that route. But we wouldn't automatically think of going that way. Joe and I drove to Brisbane and back many, many times in those six and a half years, and we only took that route once. Uh, As humans, we we have a propensity to choose the easiest, quickest way. This says something about uh, evangelism or or about a problem with how Christians sometimes do evangelise. Don Carson has a, a great illustration of this. I'll have a picture of this on the screen for you as well. Imagine two ice cream cones with the bottoms bitten off and lying on their side. These, uh, these two images represent uh, the narrow way and the broad way. Often today, the gospel is presented as being much more like the broad way than the narrow way. Uh, so we know people are prone to choose the easy way and we want to make the gospel sound attractive. We want people to accept it. And so well, we make it sound quite easy uh, sometimes when we tell the gospel and we leave out the hard parts. Uh, so, you know, we, we, you like being a Christian, we say. God wants what's best for you. He wants to do good things for you. Uh, God wants you to achieve your potential. You'll have comfort and joy and peace in life. God won't ask too much of you. You won't have to give up too much. You know, look at me. I do what I want, but I'm still a Christian. Uh, sin? No, but God's not really angry at your sin. Uh, Jesus died because he loves you, not because your sin had to be punished. And hell? Well, where did you hear about that? Don't worry about hell. God wouldn't send you there. But talking about Christianity in that way is, well, it's a bit like it's, it's presenting the way to God as the broad way. It's the bottom picture there. It's making it very easy for people to think, oh, yeah, no, I'll start, I'll start down this road. That sounds pretty good. By the time they get to the pointy bit, because we all have to enter through the narrow gate, the small gate uh, at the end, uh, all of a sudden uh, there's a problem. This isn't what I signed up for. 
The problem with presenting the gospel in that way, it's deceptive. However it's presented, you've got to go through the narrow gate. And it'll still only be the few that Jesus mentions who will find that way. Uh, Taking the most popular route simply, it won't be the best route when we're talking about getting to heaven. And so isn't it better to present Christianity, uh, present the gospel honestly in the first place, rather than letting people wander down that broad road as it narrows and narrows and finally turning back angry and disillusioned (laughs) because they were lied to. We need to be honest with people from the start. Uh, The reward uh, is great, yes, Uh, but you've got to admit your sin and submit your life to Jesus. Uh, You've got to be willing to be at odds with the world. You you will face the potential loss of reputation and respect from those around you. Uh, Hell is real and there is punishment for sin if you don't accept Jesus. You've got to give up your life to go through that narrow gate. And you probably won't find that your life is any easier, any easier now because of it. But you'll find the reward on the other side of that gate is immeasurable. As we share the gospel, we need to share the whole gospel, the whole truth. We need to share it honestly and not deceptively. People need to know the whole truth about finding the way to God. It's like hiking to the top of a mountain. I imagine you've, you've trod the long winding path, gone through the trees and undergrowth, over the rocks and slippery slopes, up that final steep ascent that, that almost had you turning back and finally you got to the top, breathed the air and marvelled at the amazing view. You're standing there feeling this was absolutely worth it. And when you get to the bottom, uh, having climbed down and you see new hikers setting out and they ask you what the climb's like, what do you say to them? <laughs> You tell them the truth, don't you? You, If you tell someone, yeah, it's an easy walk, no problems, well, lots may go up, but only a few will make it to the top. Most are going to turn back halfway, very disappointed. If you tell them, look, it's a really tough climb, but it'll be absolutely worth it, then they know what they're setting out on before uh, before they go. And when they get to the top, they'll really appreciate the view. We don't want to deceive people as we share the gospel. It is a narrow road and a small gate. And just like we don't want to deceive others, we don't want to be deceived. Jesus says many will come telling lies, bearing a false message. Many will say they're on the narrow, uh, narrow road but are actually on the broad road and they'll take you down that broad road with them. If you're not alert, uh, watch out for them, Jesus says. Uh, Read from verse 15 with me. Follow along from verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every tree bears good fruit. Uh, Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. As we continue to read from the Gospels, through the rest of the New Testament, uh, through the Paul's letters, the, the other apostles' letters, through Revelation, they, they all show how, how true Jesus' words are here. 
Many false prophets will come and try to draw you away. So beware. Constant uh, uh, accounts of that kind of activity and warnings against that throughout the New Testament. And Jesus says, well, we've got to become, in a sense, fruit inspectors. Uh, They will be known by the kind of fruit they bear. Uh, Like we saw at the start, will Jesus' disciples listen to him and obey him? And so we compare people's fruit to what the Bible says people should be producing, what the Bible says uh, his people produce. Are they producing fruit in line with Jesus' teaching or are they serving themselves? And uh, Jesus has given plenty of instruction just in this one sermon for his disciples to know whether someone is obeying Jesus' words or not. Plenty of, uh, plenty of teaching uh, they've, they've heard just in this one sitting to know whether a person is following Jesus or serving themselves. And Jesus says, don't be deceived. This, this will happen. And just as important, we don't want to deceive ourselves. Uh, it's not just others, prophets and leaders to watch out for, Jesus says, but it's yourselves. He points his finger at the crowd now. Uh, those sitting before him, those Those who claim to be disciples of Jesus, those who claim to be my disciples, Jesus says, may also be either true or false. Uh, We can deceive ourselves into thinking we're following Jesus when we're not. Uh, Or we can claim to be following Jesus when really uh, we're not. Uh, And the result for those who have deceived themselves uh, or for those who are false prophets will be the same. Uh, Follow along from verse 21. Follow from verse 21 there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Plainly, there can be those who say they're following Jesus but aren't. Uh, And those who think they've got their ticket to heaven but haven't. Uh, It's one thing to call Jesus Lord. It's another thing to actually be following him as Lord. What might you say uh, when you come face to face with Jesus? Lord, Lord, I was at church almost every Sunday. Lord, Lord, I, I set up for morning tea every week. Lord, Lord, I I ran the sound desk for years. Lord, Lord, I cooked meals for all those people in need. Lord, Lord, I led the service and prayed in church. Lord, Lord, I was an elder for 30 years. Lord, Lord, I led in kids' church. I even did puppets. Lord, Lord, I was on the committee of management. Lord, Lord, I preached the gospel and people were converted. I (laughs) I did all this in your name. I did all this in your name. Look at everything I did, Jesus. What more do you want from me? It's not about everything that I do, is it? It's not about everything that you do. Uh, What is Jesus asking for here? Look at verse 21 again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Uh, Jesus is commanding obedience. 
Uh, all those things that I mentioned in that list just now are very, well, they're all good things to do. But two people can be doing the very same things and one is going to heaven and one is going to hell. It's not about what you do or how impressive you think your deeds are. It's about why you do them. Are you obeying God in your acts of service? Are you serving God or are you serving yourself? Are you relying on Jesus and his obedience to God, ultimately? We saw in chapter 5 that there's no way we can be obedient. Jesus commands perfection. There's no way we can be obedient enough to earn our way to heaven. We rely on Jesus' obedience on our behalf. And so are you doing that ultimately or, or are you making it about you? We all need to ask ourselves this question. You know, we can use the name of Jesus to bring accolades to ourselves, or we can use the name of Jesus to bring glory to God. Now remember what Jesus said in chapter 6 about giving, praying and fasting. If we do what we do to be seen by men, then we already have our reward. Jesus must be our Lord, not ourselves. <laughs> our works must be in obedience to him, not in service of self. Uh, so don't deceive yourselves, Jesus says at this point. Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount with a final parable. Uh, his, this last story is an example of just what it is Jesus requires of his disciples, uh, uh, the, the wise and foolish builders. Read it again with me. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now the first sentence of, of that, that illustration is the key. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now the key to being a disciple of Jesus uh, is obedience to Jesus. <laughs> If we listen to Jesus' words and put them into practice, then we've built our life on a firm foundation. Uh, it echoes verse 21, Not everyone will enter the kingdom, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We build our lives on following Jesus' words, on obedience to him as Christians, uh, listening and doing now, sadly, uh, so many people in the world today don't really get uh, the concept of uh, obedience, that idea of following the authority of another is becoming less and less popular. Uh, we live in a world where freedom of personal choice is the highest goal. Uh, I remember a conversation I had at work, this was about 20 years ago now, uh, I was talking to a female colleague of mine, a middle-aged woman with two teenage kids, and I was telling her about Boys Brigade. I was involved in a company at the time over at Inogra Baptist. I was telling her the object of the Boys Brigade. If you've been in BB, you probably know it off by heart. Just ask Barry Sims to recite it for you later. Uh, 
where the object of the boys' brigade is the advancement of Christ's kingdom among boys and the promotion of habits of obedience, reverence, discipline, self-respect, and all that tends towards a true Christian manliness. Now, even though she wasn't a Christian, uh, my work colleague was okay with most of this. Uh, she thought, look, that sounds like a pretty good goal to have as an organisation. Uh, even though she wasn't a Christian, sure, yeah, Christ's kingdom, advancement of Christ's kingdom among boys, uh, self-respect, reverence, true Christian manliness, even, even discipline she had no problem with. But she balked at the word obedience. She said to me, how can you tell kids they have to be obedient? I would never expect my kids to obey me. She said to me, that sounds funny, doesn't it? But she was serious. <laughs> she was serious. Here was a distinct clash in our thinking. She didn't equate parenthood with obedience at all. I think she, she certainly hoped her children would love her, but she didn't expect them to obey her. Now, for me, growing up in a Christian home, I, I, I knew Jesus. I, I based my idea of obedience on my relationship with Jesus. And I knew Jesus as the one who loved me and died for my salvation. Someone who had authority, someone who I knew I could trust. And so listening to Jesus, the one who embodied the very truth of God, listening to Jesus and putting his words into practice, that seemed like the most natural thing in the world. And it should work that way with, with children and parents. Children should obey their parents because they love them. They should listen to their parents because they respect their authority. They should do what they say because they know they can trust them. It's the way it should work, ideally, or most of the time. Of course, it doesn't always work that way in earthly families. <laughs> uh, but that's the way it must work between us and God. Uh, he is our always loving, always truthful, always right heavenly Father. He's the one who made the sacrifice for sin on our behalf. Jesus' perfect obedience to the will of God the Father so that we can have the salvation and freedom that following him brings. Of course we'll listen to Jesus' words and, and do what he says. Because he has such authority and expressed such love for us. I, I tried to explain that to my work friend, but uh, we didn't end up agreeing. Love and obedience that don't always go together in our world. They do go together uh, for the disciple of Jesus. If you really know Jesus and you accept his authority, if you know and love Jesus, you accept his words as true and authoritative above all else. Now, the people listening to Jesus at the time... Uh, they were starting to get the idea that this was the case. <laughs> See how Jesus' teaching is described at the very end of the sermon. Verse 28, verse 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus spoke as one whose words stood on their own authority. The religious leaders of the time, they quoted from various authorities, referring to books, referring to other rabbis to support their teaching. But Jesus didn't need to refer to anyone else's teaching, anyone else's authority. He, he says it, and it's true. <laughs> and that's how people felt. Uh, a number of times we read that uh, when Jesus speaks. People understand 
Uh, he speaks with authority. No footnotes necessary. And so Jesus finishes the sermon where he starts by speaking clearly and with authority, calling his disciples to follow him, to listen to his words and put them into practice. Uh, in chapter 5, verses 19 to 20, where Jesus explains a string of statements on how to live, both replacing and reinforcing the law at the same time, and the pattern repeated throughout, you have heard it said, but I tell you. All through chapter 5, Jesus speaks with authority. And we're reminded here as we come to the end uh, of the Sermon on the Mount uh, of the two ways to live. Uh, we can listen to Jesus' words and put them into practice. We can be his disciples or we can live for ourselves. There are, there are only those two options and the consequences of each are clear. The narrow gate leads to life, final entry to the kingdom of heaven, uh, but the wide gate leads to destruction. The trees of the true prophets will bear good fruit, but the trees of the false prophets will be cut down and burned. Uh, the true disciples will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the false disciples will be cast away. Uh, the wise builder's house stands firm, but the foolish builder's house falls with a great crash. Heaven and hell are real. They are the final destination for all people, depending on whether we listen to Jesus and follow him in this life or not. Which way are you headed? And which way are you encouraging others in this world to go? Let's be working hard to lead people down the narrow road through the small gate as followers of Jesus. Let's pray and ask God to help us to do that. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you because you are a loving and mighty God. We praise you that in your son Jesus we hear these words of authority and life. We praise you that in your son Jesus we can have the road to eternal life. We can have the a path to your kingdom. We can be assured of eternal life in heaven through faith in your son Jesus. We praise you for his obedience to you, his perfect submission to your will that through his sacrifice for sin and our faith in him, we can be uh, forgiven and have that hope of heaven. We praise you for this, Lord, and we ask that you help us to live as disciples of Jesus. Help us to live in a way that shows we are listening to his words and we are putting them into practice. Help us to live in this way, Lord, and help us to lead others in that same direction. Help us to preach the gospel uh, fearlessly and honestly and help us to point people to the narrow road and help us to do this, Lord, we ask for your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our final song this morning is a song which uh, reminds us of God's grace to us in Christ and of how uh, we live in response.
sezonu 